0: Cool, cool, cool. Just finished the practice. Really, really cool. Yeah, but kind of tired. <laughs> uh, I can't believe I uh, also got dinner tonight and then tomorrow I have to prepare for the project and then got barbecue and then got panting, and then got another hot pot. Wow, very, very... Uh, what is another word? Uh? Shek. <laughs> and that's the Singaporean term. Shek. You know? What does it mean? Uh? Tired, I guess. Okay, in my tiredness, I shall read Acts chapter 25. Now, three days, three days after Festus had arrived in the province, he went up to Jerusalem from Caesarea, and the chief priests and the principal men of the Jews laid out their case against Paul, and they urged him, asking as a favor against Paul that he summon him to Jerusalem because they were planning an ambush to kill him on the way. Vestas replied that Paul was being kept, that says, this, this sounds familiar, right? <laughs> they're always trying to kill Paul. The other time, is that, the other guys, what is it, the 40 guys who swore not to eat or drink? What happened to them? <laughs> is it 40 of them? Yeah, 40 people in chapter 23. No, no food, no drink. What happened to them? Those guys, I don't know. But here, they're going to try again. They're going to try to kill Paul again. So uh, verse 4, Festus replied that Paul was being kept at Caesarea and that he himself intended to go there shortly. So he said, let the men of authority among you go down with me, and if there is anything wrong about the man, let them bring charges against him. After he stayed among them, uh, not more than eight or ten days he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he took his seat on the tribunal and ordered Paul to be brought. Now wait, wait, this is Festus. This is... Another guy. Previously it was Felix. Felix was taken over by Festus and um, now it's his turn. No, no wonder he, 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 he's kind of new to the scene because he's just inherited all these problems from the previous guy Felix. And so they're trying again, trying again to enter this new guy to try to get to Paul. Um, so wait, he went down to Caesarea, verse 6, and the next day he took a seat. Verse 7, when he had arrived, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many and serious charges against him that he could not prove. Again. Wow. You know, it just happens again. But this is, I guess, two years. You you remember that this is two years after the last big trial. So they're trying again to get Paul killed and this time assassinated. So you're using the trial as a cover even. Paul argued. Verse 8, in his defense, Neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar have I committed any offense. But Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Do you wish to go up to Jerusalem and there be tried on these charges before me? But Paul said, I'm standing before Caesar's tribunal, where I ought to be tried. To the Jews, I've done no wrong, as you yourself know very well. If then I'm a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. Let me read that again. I do not seek to escape death. (laughs) But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. Oh, he's appealing to the highest court. Kind of like, you know, you have different levels of courts. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I I know um, my law from TV shows. But apparently, if you if you your case, you're not happy the result. In this case, you can appeal to the higher court. And he's appealing to the highest court to Caesar. Then Festus, verse twelve, when he had conferred with his council, answered, "To Caesar, you have appealed. To Caesar, you shall go. Ah. <laughs> almost almost like to say in a. Uh, it's your problem you know you ask for this Paul you know this this is this you, you asking for this so let's see uh, Paul uh, in a way I guess he, he avoided the assassination attempt uh, by by appealing to Caesar or or maybe he's looking at this as his opportunity to go to Rome yeah you know, that was his plan all along to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth signified by Rome to the Roman government, to the Roman officials, and he's using his trial as the means to do that. Um, I wonder, I wonder if he saw it that way, or that God has used the events such that he would end up in this way. Um, but I guess, you know, another assassination attempt foiled, and yeah, so uh, there's more, there's more, verse 13, let's pick up from there. Now, when some days had passed, Agrippa the king and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and greeted Festus. And as they stayed there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, There is a man left prisoner by Felix. And when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews laid out their case against him, asking for a sentence of condemnation against him. I answered, them that it was not the custom of the Romans to give up anyone before the accused met the accusers face to face and had opportunity to make his defense concerning the charge laid against them. So when they came together here, I made no delay, but on the next day took my seat on the tribunal and ordered the man to be brought. When the accusers stood up, they brought no charge in his case of such evils as I supposed. So even... Uh, what's his name, Festus, even Festus could see that this guy doesn't deserve the kind of treatment because the charges do hold up. He, he can see just based on the evidence that Paul is kind of innocent. And yet, I guess in his mind, why do they hate him so much? And why are they going to all this trouble? to try to bring up a case that's two years old. to try to condemn this guy. What is, it? what is it about this guy that they hate so much? Verse 19, rather that they had certain points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a certain Jesus who was dead but whom Paul asserted to be alive. Being at a loss how to investigate these questions, I asked whether he wanted to go to Jerusalem to be tried there regarding him ha ha ha. You know, this was a ploy, right? You know, they wanted to pounce on him on the way, en route to Jerusalem. But so he's trying to play innocent, say, Oh, you know, I want to, do you want to appeal back to your hometown to go back there, to have your case tried there? Verse 21, but when Paul had appealed to be kept in custody for the decision of the emperor, I ordered him to be held until I could send him to Caesar. So he's kind of explaining why Paul is still in this jail. It's temporary. He's going to send him to Rome to see Caesar, the emperor. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, you will hear him. So on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp. I, I guess, what does it mean, great pomp? Maybe a red carpet laid out, the VIPs, you know, and people now said, uh, what, what's his name? Agrippa and Bernice. And so they come in with great pomp, you know, great fanfare, and a big deal. In these two VIPs rolling up in a, in their um, car, and then people greeting them and bowing down to them. Okay, all right, that, that's enough. <laughs> explanation of pomp. And they entered the audience call, with the military tribunes and the prominent men of the city. So a line of people greeting them and and, and making a big deal about them entering their city. Then at the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man about whom the whole Jewish people petitioned me, both in Jerusalem and here, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. But I found that he has done nothing deserving of death. And as he himself appealed to the emperor, I decided to go ahead and send him. But I have nothing definite to write to my lord about him. Therefore, I brought him before you all, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that after we've examined him, I may have something to write. For it seems to me unreasonable to send a prisoner not to indicate the charges against him. So this is almost just the introduction for Paul to then speak before this king and queen. King Agrippa and... Bernice and what's he gonna say I think I think I can't stop here I think I need to continue on to chapter 26 so all this is like a build-up to Paul two years later um, meeting this king and his wife because they're curious you know what's happening with this guy whom the Jews seem to hate so much something to do with their law something to do with this guy this individual who's causing them so much trouble that they want to kill him so let's read on to chapter 26 oops (laughs) yikes okay I'll stand chapter 26. So Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and made his defense. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, I'm going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So very respectful, and yet very insightful that he knows that King Uripa is acquainted. He says, you are familiar with the customs and controversies of the Jews. So this guy has a bit of a theological background. So he can, he can speak at a certain depth to this individual, to this king. Verse 4. My manner of life from my youth spent from beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time if they are willing to testify that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews. O King, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? That's, that's quite a leap. He says, he, he is a Pharisee. He believes in the same hope, in the same God, in the same forefathers. And he says, it makes sense that I believe in the resurrection. Says, why, why, why should it be thought incredible? You no, know, this thing I'm believing in, it's what they believe in as well. So why are they trying to kill me for this same belief that we have in common, that God will raise us from the dead? And you think of it, actually... Yeah, why? Why should they hate them so much? I think it's because Paul proves that they will be risen from... There's, there's a difference between believing in something, I guess notionally, and believing in something that actually affects the way that you live your life. I'm going to live out my life in accordance with belief. Those guys, just academic. Those guys, they say, yep, yep, sure, you know, of course I go with you. But here is Paul saying this belief, that, that this trust in God that he will raise us from the dead, means we need to live in a way that reflects that reality, especially that reality in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was raised from the dead. Verse 9, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Verse 12. In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, looks like Paul is rehashing his whole conversion before King Agrippa. Um, Is this like the third time he said this? Well at least, at least. He's repeated the whole event the series of events of him encountering Jesus. Verse thirteen. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun, that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. This this this, this detail, kicking against the goats, I think that's new. I think we haven't seen that before. It's kind of saying that Paul in his conscience kind of knew. Kind of knew that Jesus was a real thing. He was working against his conscience when he was persecuting these Christians. Then he actually knew that it was wrong. He shouldn't be doing this, and yet he did it. So it's kicking. I think is the goats, the kind of thing that pokes into, into the animal or something like that. I, I don't I don't. I need, I need to look it up. But yeah, essentially you're going against your conscience, going against something that you know is wrong, and yet you're doing it anyway. Uh, And I said, verse 15, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you've seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. I'm getting tired. I'm going to sit down. But here, Paul is kind of like rehashing his conversion. It's so important for Paul, at least, for people to know that he is a Christian because he met Jesus. And therefore, it authenticates. Uh, His message, you know, this is a message that Jesus has given him, the ministry that Jesus has given him, but it also explains why he is as he is. He used to be one of these guys who are trying to kill him, you know, these Jews. I mean, what does it take to turn the heart of someone who hates God and hates Jesus and hates Christians? Essentially, Paul is saying it takes nothing less than a miracle, nothing less than meeting Jesus yourself. And therefore, it's not a small thing. It's not just listening to arguments, not just, you know, making a decision, I'm going to follow Christ. But such is our hatred inside of us that Jesus himself needs to appear before us and change us from the inside out. Verse 19, therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then to Jerusalem, throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Just watching the time, making sure I have enough. Because this camera has a record limit, so just checking that. Uh, For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple, verse 21, and tried to kill me. To this day, I've had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing, uh, but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer, and that by being the first to rise from the dead... He would proclaim light to both our people and to the Gentiles. So again, um, that connection with the resurrection. This is a resurrection that was foretold in the Old Testament, but fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He must die, but that he must also rise from the dead. And therefore, we will rise together in him. Verse 24. And as he was saying these things in his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you out of your mind. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I'm speaking true and rational words. For the king knows about these things, and to him I speak boldly. For I am persuaded that none of these things has escaped his notice, for this has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? Do you believe? I know that you believe. And Agrippa said to Paul, In a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, Whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day would become such as I am, except for this chains. Imagine, you know, this prisoner speaking to this powerful man, saying, I wish you were like me. Poor man speaking to Elon Musk, saying, I wish you were like me. Uh, person in prison who's been beaten up, who's been, in you know, hasn't seen his friends, his family for two years, you know, saying to someone who has all the freedom in the world, I wish you were like me because I wish you were in Christ. Uh, reminds me of a story of um, this guy who was evangelizing his friend. I think he was playing sports every day. And he kept telling him about Jesus, telling him about the Bible, telling him, a yeah, long time, you know, they were just... Like they play a game every week. The friend knew that the Jesus talk was coming. And one day his friend told him, point blank, you know, he said, You do realize that if I became a Christian and this guy came from a country where it was illegal to become a Christian, he said, If I became a Christian, you know, I would die. <laughs> I would be signing my own death certificate, you know. I would be persecuted, I'll be killed. Is that what you want from me? And this friend looked at him and said no, but yes. No, I don't I don't want you to die. I don't want you to persecute it. But if that's what it takes for you to believe that Jesus really is the Christ, I've got to say, my friend, it is worth it. And I wish you were a Christian. That's what Paul is saying. You know, I don't wish this persecution on you. I don't wish these chains on you. But what I have is true. And it's what you could have as well. This is something real that God is giving us in Christ. This salvation, this trust in a real God who has died for us on the cross and now offers us this resurrection promise that we will be risen from our sins, risen from the dead, risen to new life. Verse 30, uh, then the king arose and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them and when they had withdrawn they said to one another this man is doing nothing deserving death or imprisonment. Uh, And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. And that's how he ends, with everyone, everyone knowing that he's innocent. You know, this guy could have been set free, but he's almost intentionally staying in prison, if that makes sense. You know, he could have been set free if he didn't appeal to Caesar. But Paul seems to know something that they don't. You know, being in prison has opened up doors to speak to Agrippa to show him the gospel and to go to Rome to speak before Caesar and preach the gospel even to him that's the kind of perspective that Paul has that I think he wishes we had as well one that stretches into eternity that calls us to face the reality that we will die and be raised again and that we have a choice today to trust in Christ to follow him or you know stay where we are, and, 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 and not, not follow Christ. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't very eloquent. But yeah, uh, long, two chapters, we covered two chapters, so that was a long reading, but a very sobering one that wakes us up to the reality that we have this choice and this opportunity even today. Um, yep, thank you for watching. This has been a Daily Bible Reading Show looking at chapters 25 and 26 of Acts. I have two more chapters to go haha but I also need to prepare uh, the talk the overview talk tonight and I have to shop for the food tomorrow and I have to go for dinner tonight lots of things happening please pray for me hopefully it gets done somehow some way by God's grace thanks for watching take care God bless bye